The following announcements have been paid for by the sponsors of the Hameen Media Group. Hameen Media Group brand management is taking over. Social media, video, audio, design, marketing, and more. HMG Brand Management is proud to be partnered with Vince Russo's The Brand, Stevie Ray TV, Rip Rogers' FR Podcast, Goldilocks, Big Vito Brand, The A-Show starring Aaron Stevens and April Hunter, The Two-Man Power Trip, and now Angelina Love and Velvet Sky, The Beautiful People. Search for all of our HMG Brand Management partners on your favorite podcatchers, YouTube, and of course, Patreon. Support your favorite HMG ring veterans by visiting ProWrestlingTees.com, Dr. Man Beast Ted McNailer, Recot Papadon, SCG Search from Big Sal, Chris Silvio, Stevie Richards, and of course the Ayatollah himself, Ben Hameen. Hey bro, wake up with the official Vince Russo coffee from Broaster's Coffee. Medium roasted, Nicaraguan blend with chocolatey notes and a smooth finish that'll have you ready to go bro. Available only at thebroasters.com. For a flavorful hashtag RBV fitness foodie experience, visit zorosoliveoil.com. Zordos Ultra Premium Extra Virgin Olive Oil is exclusively sourced from the Zordos family private 100-year-old olive groves in Greece. Taste the difference and visit zordosoliveoil.com today. StevieRichardsFitness.com For the most affordable and effective home workout program that'll give you results real results. 12 and 16 week resistant band programs are available for instant download now at StevieRichardsFitness.com Russo'sBrand.com where the pros are pros, bro. Get the most valid takes in wrestling from the pros who live it. Visit Russo'sBrand.com Subscribe to Hacker Hameen and Hameen Media Group on Podbeam.com and visit Patreon.com backslash Hameen Media Group We now take you to your featured HMG presentation. Today's episode of Destino, a New Japan Pro Wrestling podcast, is brought to you by the HTM Podcast Network online, hittingthemarks.com. Also brought to you by the Hameen Media Group. Two feeds for your earhole enjoyment, hackerhameen.podbean.com and hameenmediagroup.podbean.com. Find the HTM Podcast Network and Hameen Media on all of your favorite podcast listening devices. On today's episode, I'm joined by the vet from the next level, available over at Hameen Media. We're going to talk some New Japan Cup and maybe some other show, too. Lots to talk about this week, so let's go ahead and jump into it. But first, my friends from Down Under, this is Knife Party. You blocked me on Facebook, and now you're going to die. Now you're going to die. here to uh, talk some New Japan Cup and maybe some other stuff too. But it, this is the first time that me and the vet have been in the same place at the same time. So vet, welcome to the show, man. How are you? Man, I'm doing great now, especially that I get to be on this great esteemed podcast, Destino. I'm a big fan. Um, and there's some serious lacking 
of New Japan Talk on the Hameen Media Group, and I was starting to think that I was the only person that even knew it existed. Um, and I don't, I'm sure you've heard some of Ben Hameen's, well, frankly, bizarre and off putting rants about uh, Japanese wrestling. And I, I can only assume that he must have had some family members that were in World War II or something at Pearl Harbor or something. There's no other way that that kind of animosity could be coming through to the degree that it does whenever he gets fired up and starts talking about this um, and frankly making a fool of himself. But none, never never mind that. I'm just happy to be here and, and talking to a, a, a fellow a New Japan Pro Wrestling fan. So um, how have you been enjoying the New Japan Cup so far? I, I am... I'm enjoying the New Japan Cup, but one of the things that I was talking about on the last episode of Destino is there's just too many damn shows. Between February and March, New Japan Pro Wrestling is running 38 shows. 38 shows in two months, and it's just, it's entirely too much. Uh, We're going to kind of go through round one of the New Japan Cup. We'll go through the the Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I mean, it's four or five days a week. And I, I can only watch Tenkozy versus the United Empire so many times. Yes. Well, I can watch it as many times as they'll put it on. But the thing you got to remember, though, uh, Jargo, is that uh, these are essentially like what we get with the New Japan um, New Japan World app is we're essentially getting a feed into house shows. Like these were never really meant to be seen by anybody but the ticket buyers. So, you know... As long as you keep up with all you'd really need to watch is the 20 or so minutes of backstage comments to kind of keep up with, uh, you know, everything that's going on. So it's really just like a bonus. It's kind of like imagine if you had the, um, you know, like if you're a sports fan and let's face it, New Japan is sports. uh, If you're if you have one of those NFL Sunday ticket games so that you can watch your your team in the out of market or you know, the NBA league pass or MLB, you know, like if you have the MLB, you're watching 162 games of your team. Do every single one of those uh, games matter? No. Uh, So you can watch the important ones and, or, or you could watch the ones that come on TV and not buy the pass. Um, But if you have the new Japan world, it's nice to know that, you know, at any given moment you can throw uh, an event on and just kick back and relax and and see a a house show. Um, And, that's been one of the best ways that I've found to get into New Japan just by sheer immersion because you get to see these guys work. And when I say yeah. work, I mean try to do the most with the least and not, you know, you, you see how they get through these these six-man tags and eight-man tags and, and other matches that would normally be meaningless, but you get to see them get a little bit of their shit in and kind of get themselves over as characters and everything like that without, you know, completely killing their bodies the way a main event singles match would. Last year for the G1 Climax, they adapted a little bit of a new format because of the pandemic. They were just basically doing G1 matches, and that was fantastic. There was no undercard tags. I feel like I'm kind of an undercard tag hell right now. So basically what I have done and what I recommend to anybody who's just trying to get into New Japan, if you just want to follow along with the New Japan Cup, you basically start after intermission. You watch like the top two, maybe three matches, and then you call it good until tomorrow. You know, so you're wasting maybe an hour to actually watch the matches that matter. You don't need to watch all the six-man tags, the eight-man tags. Granted, that's where they build the creative programs. But if you just want the payoff, if you just want to keep up on the tournament, you can do so in roughly an hour a day. Uh, 
Well, don't forget, it wasn't too many years ago that Wrestle Kingdom was nothing but six hours of six mans and eight mans. Oh, God, yes, I remember that. So, uh, you know, and they're trying to get everybody on the car, which is great. But at the same time, like, there's only so much you could take, like you said, if the matches don't mean anything. Um, but, you know, like I said, again, it's it's like sports. And one of the ways that at least it, we can justify it as fans is it's like they're teams. Everybody in New Japan is basically in a, a faction. So you just kind of look at it as like, oh, it's time for the Red Sox to play the Yankees or, you know, whatever, or, or uh, Los Ingobernables to face uh, Suzuki Goon or whatever the case may be. You know, it's like, oh, you got a win today. Maybe I'll get a win tomorrow. That's that's kind of how I have to justify it to myself. Do, do you have a loyalty to a faction? If you had to pick one, is there one that you find yourself pulling for more than any other? Ah, you know, I got to go with the King Jargo. I, 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 the Suzuki goon guys are really stepping up. I mean, look at what Tai Chi's done these past couple years. Look at, uh, look at Desperado. Um, they, they, they've, they've got the, mo- and the King himself, of course, like, of course. you know, he's probably, he's probably my favorite, but, um, but any, any of those guys, you know, Zack Sabre fits. I like how they're all kind of a little bit different and, you know, even somebody like, uh, 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 Yoshinobu, you know, he's got, he, he seems pretty like the most plain of all the guys, Heel but, master. Even, but, but, but pre pandemic, he still had the gimmick of the whiskey. So, so, you know, even that gives them just like that slight little bit of flavor. So as not to be, you know, totally boring, I guess, in the eyes of the less initiated. I'm, I'm ready for Tai Chi Goon. I can't believe that I'm even Mm. saying that out loud, but going back to the New Japan Cup last year, which, of course, they ran much later in the year, Taichi defeats Minoru Suzuki, and I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, uh-oh, are we going to see a battle now? And I I came to the point, I'm actually okay with it. Go ahead and give it to Taichi, let him have Taichi Goon, and give me Minoru Suzuki on one last great run as a baby face and let people cheer Minoru Suzuki because people clearly want to cheer Minoru Suzuki. I could see him as like that, that ass kicking stone cold, Steve Austin. I'm not taking any kind of shit baby face. What do you think? Yeah, either way. Um, I'm, I'm down for whatever they want to do. I, I agree that I think that it would be, it would be good to give, you know, Minoru Suzuki the, lifetime achievement heavyweight championship just for you know like the the same maybe span of time that evil had it recently just so that you could say yeah he got it you know i don't know if that's something that you know as a shoot like if that's something that matters to him or if that's something he wants or if he's content in the role that he has now um because i feel like he could kind of call his own shots at this point but i mean he's the only of the of the uh 50 plus guys the dads it, yeah, the dads, if you want to, yeah, if you want to use that uh, Will Osprey terminology, but like of those guys, he's the only guy that on a, you know, like on a given night, can deliver a main event level match to the quality of the younger guys. Now, obviously, we've seen guys have to step into those positions mm-hmm. lately because of the situations and the injuries and things, but um, but they're still not at Suzuki's level. Like no. Kojima's really good, but. I mean, they they were putting Suzuki in there with guys for main events before all this, after he was 50 years old, you know, or late 40s and stuff. So they they count on him to be able to deliver that on that level. Um, So whatever they want to do with him will make sense and the fans will buy it. Yeah, Nagata, Kojima, 
Suzuki, all those guys just stepping up huge here lately. Hell, we even got Tenzon has been stepping mm -hmm. up huge here lately. I mean, the guy can barely move. Yes, bless Tenzon's heart. Oh, he, I love he's there. that guy. He was there, and I, I, I liked his match with Osprey. I, I thought it was exactly what it needed to be, and I was satisfied with that. Well, before we get to Osprey and Tenzon, let's go ahead. We'll, we'll start the New Japan Cup matches from Sunday. Uh, and we'll start off with a member of Suzuki Goon. Zack Sabre Jr. defeats Gabriel Kidd, 17 minutes and 21 seconds with a triangle choke. Um, the thing about Gabriel Kidd, he is still a young lion who's not really a young lion anymore. I mean, the guy has been stuck in Japan for a global pandemic over the course of the last year. I'm ready for Gabriel Kidd to break out of the young lion class. And hell, I'm even ready for him to join the Empire. There's there's so much history there between Osprey and Gabriel Kidd. We can get the British connection going. Absolutely. I'm totally down for it, but he's not on Zack Sabre Jr.'s level yet. I was a little surprised this match went 17 minutes, though. Well, in in Zach's uh, his excuse was that he's just trying to pull time because he's he he doesn't get enough ring time and he's you know he's trying to get reps during but, these uh, tournaments. His... Zach Saber Jr.'s post match comments are always just one of the incredible highlights. My favorite promo ever is the the Zack Sabre Jr. promo that he cut on Kota Ibushi a couple of years ago from the G1 when Ibushi's like just jumping off of all kinds of random things. And Zack Sabre Jr. makes a comment, if you're going to jump on me out of the balcony, I'm just going to move. Best promo ever. Yeah. Yeah. And he's saying what we're all thinking. You know? Yep. So. Yeah, I, there was the, the great promo against Yano from the G1 last year where he went off every sports cliche that he could ever think of for like two minutes and then just completely lost his mind. It was fantastic. Love Zack Sabre Jr. promos. Zack Sabre Jr., former winner of the New Japan Cup, but he kind of seems like he's the odd guy out right now. Uh, I A couple of years ago, I thought that Zack Sabre Jr. was being groomed to take over for Minoru Suzuki. Now it seems as though Taichi has kind of stepped into that kind of role. Where is Zack inside of the New Japan landscape right now? Um, I think what they've done is they've done this with a few guys where they've positioned them in a way that you can believe they could be at the top at any time for any given moment. Just like we were talking about with the dads, you know, those guys are there because the legacy that they've built up can mean that they can be an instant main event. But I also think they wanted to place guys and they seem really high on Zack Sabre Jr. at first, giving him the new Japan Cup win, which were you as surprised as I was when he won I was that? floored. Yeah. So, so, but that also lets you know, Hey, you know, not only do they have hopes for him, but that they're willing to pull the trigger on things like that just to get people talking maybe. Um, so, so now that we've established that he can beat anybody on any given night, um, whatever they want to do with him, if they want to move him down the card and keep him there to, you know, for, for the right moment or Whatever. I, I can't ever presume to know what's going on in Gato's head at any given time, but I'm rarely disappointed with where things end up. So I, 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 he's built up enough equity with me to give him the benefit of the doubt in these situations. But I, I can't say for sure, like at this moment, where Zach is. But if you look at the New Japan Cup brackets, like you've got guys like at least four guys on each side that you go, oh, yeah, he could easily win this. 
Yep, Zach's always one of those guys. Now, as the vet, I have to ask, because I, I want to say it was a couple years ago, I was in a group chat with Ben Hameen, and all of a sudden I just get this message. Someone explain Zach Sabre Jr. to me. Now, as a vet, what do you make of Zach Sabre Jr.? Because to me, it's all about leverage. Everything in Zach's style, it's all about leverage and where his body is relative to yours, and I think he wrestles a very believable style. Um... It is it is believable uh, to a to a point. I like what he's doing because it seems unique in the landscape of wrestling today. I mean, it's like uh, British wrestlers have always been known for that catch stuff. Uh, that's kind of their impact on the the professional wrestling history as a, as a whole. Um, and but he even takes it to to more of an extreme, even though he'll end up having the other guys match a lot of the time, you know, like he'll get into striking with guys, you know, stand toe to toe with them and stuff like that. But, you know, mostly he just wants to roll around on the mat and tie people up into impossible positions. Right. And um, so but one, one thing I don't like, even though people have talked about it and explained it is I think he transitions out of holds too quickly, like. They're working, but he just does it to just move on to a different, just to kind of almost like to show off kind of maybe because, you know, uh, he thinks it's it, it may be boring to just sit there too long. But I don't know. Uh, but like a lot of the stuff seems seems unique and impressive to people. But to be honest, like I used to, you know, a Zack Sabre Jr. match is the kind of thing I'd spend like two to three hours a week doing during training. <laughs> like I've had I've had that's that the kind of stuff he does. Um you know, I've I've did that for practice and stuff. So it's not as flashy to me as it as it seems to some other people. Although I will say that there are some things that he's done that I'm like, I don't not only have I not seen that, I don't think anybody's ever seen that. I don't think he saw it before he saw it in his mind that afternoon. So Tanahashi tap out. Yeah. I mean, or I mean, orienteering with napalm death is like, I mean, what the hell is that even? Right. And he doesn't even use it sometimes. It's just, he hasn't used it for like a year or so. As far as the giving up on holds thing early, that's clearly something he learned from Suzuki. I mean, Suzuki is so obsessed with the gotch that he can have somebody clearly beat with a sleeper in the middle of the ring and he'll release it to go for a gotch. Yep, he, he totally will. So, He's so obsessed. yeah, I don't know. He's like yeah, Okada so, but, with the damn money clip. Yeah, Okada loves that money clip. God, um, hate that move. Hate it. Yeah. Well, give the man a break. He's 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 killed himself carrying this business on his back for so long. Um, True. So he just he just needs a, a nice little money clip every now and then. But uh, but yeah. So so Zach Saber Jr. is just like a you know he's a, he's a human octopus and um, he'll he'll put you in a submission from any possible angle or any impossible angle. As the wife calls him, Snake Man. <laughs> Snake Man. Yeah. Year four. <laughs> Let's talk about his uh, his country compadre, Will Ospreay, even though they don't really get along inside of the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling right now. Will Ospreay, the leader of the United Empire, defeats Hiroshi Tenzan. 13 minutes and 37 seconds, as if we haven't seen these two guys in the ring 60 times over the course of the last month or so. Uh, no surprises here. They clearly have big plans for Ospreay. I guess the question is... Could Osprey win the New Japan Cup this year, or do you feel like he's still a year away from it? No, he could win it. If Zach could have won it when he won it, Osprey could definitely win it. Valid. So, so I, I, you know, he's one of those guys I was talking about. There, there's guys on both sides of the bracket that you're like, yeah, he could do it. He could do it. He could do it. Um, and and Osprey's definitely one. 
They 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 made they made it clear with his Okada program that he can be a top guy. Um, the problem is for him, there's quite a lot of there's not a lot of room at the top right now. So, I mean, you know, so they they typically would like to have like four guys around there, you know, and you used to know who the four guys were, and then they kind of slide in a couple extra guys, you know. Um, so now it's kind of like a five, a five or six guy, a deal. And Osprey would be like the sixth or seventh guy. Um, so, but you know, that's the thing you, you get ready for these kind of positions so that when your number's called, you can step right in and hit a home run. That's what it is. Moving to Tuesday's round one matchups. We have a guy that was in that picture and a guy that may find himself in that picture one day. Yuji Nagata defeats Yota Suji in 13 minutes and 42 seconds. Again, no surprise here. Yuji Nagata versus Young Lion. What can we really say? Right. It's just Nagata kicking the shit out of people because that's that's pretty much what Nagata does right now. Yeah. And it's Suji, so yeah, no, no young lines ever want to match. And and I enjoy watching Suji getting the shit kicked out of him because he's he's Tanahashi's personal cheerleader, and I just don't like that shit. Sonata <laughs> defeats Tomohiro Ishii in 25 minutes and 18 seconds. This is one of those matches that when I saw the bracket announcements had this one circled because I wasn't really sure which way it was going to go. They put Sonata over on Ishii. Ishii at least inside of storyline right now, dealing with a ton of injuries. So it gives him a little bit of an out. And for some reason, people love Sonata. I am just not one of those people. Now, why don't you love Sonata? I just feel like Sonata is incredibly overdone. Um, To me, the issue with Sonata, Sonata is a great number two. He's a great number three. I just do not see him as a number one. The guy's entire character is literally, I have no personality. It's really, really hard to grab on to somebody like that. I just, I've, I've always seen Sonata in his peak level as intercontinental level. And now that the intercontinental championship is gone, I don't even know what the ceiling is for Sonata anymore. Um, that's interesting. I, it's, to me, it's not that he doesn't have a personality. It's that his personality is that he couldn't be bothered to care. Like, he just seems like, I don't feel like putting any effort into this. So he's the and Japanese Orange Cassidy? A little bit, yeah. A little bit. I mean, that's a good way to describe it. Or Orange Cassidy is the American him. I'm not sure. Sonata's been around longer, I think. But um, but he kind of like, yeah, he, he kind of has that air, like where it, somebody has to bring it out of him. You know, and uh, the the issue I have with Sonata is that like uh, for a top guy um, or even a mid guy, he d- nothing he does looks like it hurts. And like, he misses it a, half the time. He's a finesse wrestler. Right. So like when he has matches with Zack Sabre Jr., that's when I think you see the best because he likes a lot of the technical stuff. Right. He likes those those cool like transitions and the pins like the clutch pins and kind of thing you know he likes it but when it comes time to like really throw down with the heavy hitters like a Ishii he's like he doesn't fit he can throw a decent European he can throw an okay forearm but like none of his moves really have the impact of some of the other guys that you would see at the top Naito's a little bit like that in mm-hmm. a sense like doesn't do a lot of high impact moves and I'm not saying that you got to like kill your opponent I'm just saying like a, a lot of it just seems like he doesn't work 
he doesn't work the style of a finesse style. He has a finesse style and he tries to kind of go with like, you know, those, you know, the the back and forth strikers and stuff like that sometimes when I feel like his character would be better served to stick to like a Zack Sabre Jr. thing. But it just the only movie does that has any real impact is like uh, the TKO thing. Mm-hmm. And if that if that was his finish, um, then, you know. It's like, that's cool. But his finish is a moonsault. And, you know, this isn't 1989 anymore. So we kind of have to move on from that a little bit. The skull end is okay, but it always looks like it's barely on, right? Yeah. Like, so. He's got it like on their forehead. Yeah. So what, what are, you, are you trying to say that he's applying the pressure to the temples? I mean, I don't know. What, whatever. Maybe it's just not being explained to me correctly. But I just feel like he's missing that, that, uh, that that grit or whatever you want to say like that that hard edge you know to to be at that top uh top top level the other but he can do it he's talented enough to do it and he looks amazing like he's he's totally sexy looking like um, chicks dig him obviously and the the gimmick of not caring only makes chicks like you more right so i mean that that's that's there his costumes are always on point you know yeah. it's great everything pretty much everything about him is cool um, except he just hasn't found, you know, even after all these years, hasn't quite found that uh, that niche of, of what kind of style of match he's going to put on. The other issue I have with Sonata is I feel like every match you you feel like the wheels could come off because I don't think there's anybody in New Japan Pro Wrestling that misses their spots more consistently than Sonata. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So there's the, the the if if you think back to that match that you had with I think it was the G1 finals with Ibushi, that match was one of the worst New Japan main events I've seen since I've been watching it just because they did not have chemistry. They had a better match more recently, but but that match they were just they were both off, you know. And Ibushi's like basically a backyard wrestler, so he's not like the kind of guy that's going to be able to carry. He's right. the kind of guy that can have a good match with somebody that can carry. Um, That's why he wrestles everybody else's match. There's not an Ibushi match. Ibushi has your match. Pretty much. And and that's okay, too, you know, because, again, look like a million bucks. Ladies love him, you know, that kind of thing. And and that's – are we going to sit here and go down the list of guys in wrestling that haven't been able to have their own match? I mean, but they can still be a star. Yeah, I Um, mean, there there was that, that one guy, Ric Flair. I mean, whatever happened to him, right? Yeah, I don't know, man. I just—I I think he had a daughter or something of some consequence. On on the other hand, there's Tomohiro Ishii, who is one of the most exciting wrestlers on any given match in New Japan Pro Wrestling. They just don't push him as such. Uh, the Stone Pitbull, one of my favorites since I got into watching New Japan. What do you make of Tomohiro Ishii? Love him. Love him. Totally love him. Also like exactly where he's at. You don't, yeah. like, you, you always have to think, like, do we want Tomo Tomo to be a, a a champion? Of course we would, but this isn't real, right? This is because right. if this is real, are you going to take your company and make him a guy that looks like that go do all the appearances and, and you know like the exactly the yep. press and all that stuff? Like you can't be the face of a company, but what you can be is the guy that's going to fuck somebody up on any given night uh, when you know it, it it's not on the line. And I think it was so great how, like, I know you had different feelings about it, but I personally loved the match with Jay White 
where Jay White just beats him. Like after all that, <sighs> it was the perfect heel move. It was absolutely perfect booking because you just you, they made you believe that Ishii was going to do it. And of course he doesn't. And the stakes, like there were stakes on the match, contrary to your guys' belief. The stakes were that Jay White doesn't, you know, lose to Ishii again. You know, I mean, that was the stakes. Well, that was my thing. That was my and thing. It's so I mean, exciting. Like that's a that's a important. That's more important than a never title. But but know? I guess my thing was I, I feel like they just blew it for no apparent reason. You know what I mean? Like th- to me, that was the match that I wanted to see when Jay White has recaptured the IWGP Championship. And oh shit, here comes Ishii. Here comes the one guy that Switchblade's never been able to figure out and have it actually mean something. Whereas now it's just like, eh, I got that monkey off my back don't need to worry about him anymore yeah but then that's the thing you have to think of like of all the moves ahead that they're looking the you know they're looking in the booking of these things um they didn't want to have ishii be in that position where you really thought he was going to have a title shot or something or something like that you know this this is exactly what it needed to be an exciting singles match but they pull the rug out from under you and you know that's that's life Let's go to Wednesday, round one action, kind of wrapping up here. David Finley defeats Chase Owens. Chase Owens' boyhood dream, it's never going to come true in 11 minutes and 20 seconds. Uh, Fuck fuck both these guys. Moving on. Yeah, I mean, like... (laughs) This is is two of those guys that you're like, did we really need 30 guys in the tournament? You know? Yeah, Yeah, well, yeah, I guess we did, but um, nonetheless... uh, here we are, and we've moved on, and um, I, I feel fine. Uh, well, and and then there was the you know, the greatest match in New Japan Pro Wrestling history. You even sent me a text about it. Yoshi Bon Jovi defeats Yujiro Takahashi in 15 minutes and 50 seconds. This match could have went five minutes and 50 seconds, and it would have been too long. Five minutes too long. And I think that um, we all know that there's only one reason that you would want Yujiro Takahashi to ever be on your screen. And since that reason hasn't been around since the pandemic, there's no use for, there's no use for a pimp with no hose, Jargo. I'm sorry. There just isn't. But, uh, but as for Yujiro himself, like he used to always be in those six and eight man tags where you can just have Peter on the outside doing what she does. And that's great. And then you don't really have to see a lot of him, but ever since he's had to like a focus of, singles matches and stuff you really get exposed like i didn't realize how bad he was but while watching him now it's like yujiro takahashi wrestles like an aew uh women's match on dark where both the girls are on quaaludes now i kind of want to see maki ito versus yujiro takahashi uh no you don't but okay. because but because Maki Ito is a cute girl, it's more acceptable if you're rotten, you know, at least she has a gimmick. It's so funny. Uh, a couple of days ago, Rick got a hold of me and he's like, can you explain Maki Ito to me? <laughs> it's just like, how much time do you got, man? Because the- what's to what's to explain? She's a fired idol. She says it all right there in her little nickname. Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. Yeah. She so. is that. Uh, Jay White defeats Toa Hanare. Uh, I guess the biggest surprise here was the match goes 24 minutes and 46 seconds. They gave Hanare a lot here. Hanare did not want to quit, but, you know, he's up against Switchblade Jay White, the best heel in the business, and hands down. I don't even think it's freaking close. Jay White is just killing it. What would you think of the, them giving Hanare almost 25 minutes against Switchblade, though? 
I think that's part of Jay White's genius. I mean, do you really think that they're saying, now look, Jay White, you have to go out there for 24 minutes and carry this guy. I'm pretty sure that's a lot of that has to do with him. I think a lot of these guys, I, I'm just uh, I'm just guessing, but I think a lot of the guys in New Japan have, you know, the 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 top guys, like Jay is already a top guy. I think they have the trust in him to be able to have the kind of match that they need and whatever he wants, right? So that's him uh, trying to get Hinari over. And the thing about Jay White is he will get you over no matter what. Um, it doesn't matter who you are, even if you don't deserve to be over, like you would, some would argue that Hinare is, d- d- doesn't or whatever, but he will do that for you because it means, because not only when he gets you over, it means more when he beats you. You know, if he beat the Hinare that everybody looks at Hinare as, eh, whatever, this isn't even main event worthy. Right. But, but if he, if he makes it seem like Hinare is a somebody, or at least he's on this one night, he's trying his ass off. Then when he beats him, Jay's win means more and Hanari's loss means more. So it, it's those are the kind of genius things about Jay White that you, it's really hard to teach. And there's so go, so few guys, let alone guys his age, yeah. that know how to do. Um, and so that's, you know, that's just a testament to to his brilliance. When did you get on the Jay White train? Was it before or after he won his IWGP championship? Um, Jay White train. No, it was, uh, it was just, it's just after getting to watch a few of these matches, like once he came back as the switchblade, I mean, the thing is I saw Jay White before I've seen Jay White live and he, he like, he did not register to me as anybody, but once he, once he was in the spot, he was in with the gimmick and you get to actually see him work regularly. Um, then you can see the little genius things that he does. Uh, that that aren't in, that you know they're not going to be apparent from a couple of r- random Ring of Honor matches like I would have seen, um, and that's true of New Japan. A lot of people they watch the big events in New Japan, and then they may not get the hype. Like when you hype guys, like I don't see what's so great about Jay White. You know, he's yeah, he's a dick, but whatever. Or I don't see what's so great about Okada. Everybody loves him too much, or whatever Tanahashi. Whatever it is that people hype up, you can't see that in a couple matches. You need to see them through dozens and dozens and dozens of matches to see the little things that they do. And you have to be able to see it with a worker's eyes too. Like a fan, I don't care how big a fan Dave Meltzer is of Okada. He does not know why Okada's good. Not to the degree that I do. You know what I mean? So, and, and that can be a whole other podcast that we can do about why Okada's the best wrestler alive. But uh, we don't have time for all that. In fact, um, I think the charade has gone on long enough, Jargo. We're actually not doing an episode of Destino. So if anybody's still with us listening um, and you haven't uh, deleted this off your devices or whatever, um, yes, this is the Next Level Wrestling Review. And I'm just so very fortunate to have Jargo filling in for Colin Song this week. Um, you know, meeting for the first time on Skype, this is uh, has already been a lot of fun. And I can see that I'm just going to go ahead and invite myself on a Destino podcast in the future because I think I've already more than proven my worth uh, uh, to be a part of it. Um, but uh, unfortunately, we have to talk about NXT. Boring. Um, but anyways, yeah. So NXT was at least you got, um, Jargo, you got a, a decent on paper episode to uh to jump in and uh 
and and co-host with me. So um, so yep. you know, you lucked out there. When this thing got laid out to me, I was like, yeah, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll do an episode of NXT while the rednecks off fucking around. And and then I saw the card as it was lining up, and I was like, wait a minute, I get I get Tony Storm versus Io Shirai. And I, and and I get Finn Balor versus Adam Cole, two of my favorite wrestlers on the face of the planet. Yes, please go ahead and sign me up for the. This looked like a great show, and I was just yeah. hoping that maybe, just maybe, I would get to see the greatest wrestler alive today on my television. And I was like, man, I don't see any Tyler Breeze on this card. And then Tyler showed up too. It was great. Whoa! Well, let's not jump ahead too far. Let's start back at the beginning here. Um, so we're going to open up this episode, right? And it's going to have the uh, the now. Now I have I actually have my own notes. I don't read Matthew Wilkinson's write up, Colin. Okay, I got my own notes that I took here. So so we're going to have the uh, the title match participants, uh, the aforementioned Adam Cole and Finn Balor, arriving at the building here. Um, it's typical stuff earlier today. They arrived. Okay. And William Regal's got a couple of announcements for us all. Okay. So we're going to, I'm going to let you uh, tackle these announcements one at a time. Announcement number one, um, the next takeover titled stand and deliver, um, is going to be a two night event. First night on USA, second night on Peacock. Well, I know you're excited about this one, Mike. Take it away. I was pissed, man. I What? This is too much goddamn content. That's exactly what the problem is, right? So you're going to have Monday Night Raw. You're going to have Tuesday that you can go. I guess if you want to watch Impact, you can do that. And then you can listen to the Impact Attack right here at Hameen Media Group. But then it's going to be Wednesday TakeOver, Thursday TakeOver, Friday the Hall of Fame, Saturday WrestleMania, Sunday WrestleMania. And it's it's too much goddamn content. And then you start all over with the Raw after Mania. And then you're back to fucking Impact again. Right? Like, it's just... It's absolutely insane. And I know we're sitting here talking about all these New Japan shows. They're running like four or five shows a week. I just I don't need all this goddamn content. And it just waters it down. And furthermore, you and I both know exactly what this is. They're trying to get people over to fucking Peacock before WrestleMania so there's not a complete clusterfuck and they can get all the goddamn bugs worked out. They're using NXT as a bunch of goddamn guinea pigs. And I don't like it. I don't like it at all. What did you think of the announcement? Yeah, I don't really care either way. <laughs> it's just perfectly fine. Uh, you know, like the, the Peacock thing, as far as I'm concerned, like, hey, I'm coming up on Peacock, right? Because I was already paying nine bucks a month. Now I get all the NBC Universal content along with my WWE network. So fuck it, right? Um, that's as long fine. as I get The Office, that's the only thing I care about. <laughs> that's all anybody wants, right? They just want to watch The Office for the 25th time. So, uh, yeah. So, and, and the two night thing, like I'm not a big fan of two night events. I just, you know, it's kind of like, it, it sort of takes the individuality away from it, but you know, there's really no such thing as too much content. All there is, is not enough time. Right. But let's face it. None of this stuff is worth really watching. Oh, you there know, is such a thing as too much content. Look at AEW revolution. My God, if that show would have been two and a half hours, I would have felt very differently about it than I would have before. But <laughs> The other problem is like we've seen New Japan do this. We, we They've done Wrestle Kingdom two nights back to back. And the second night, it always feels like it drags every time. Well, you can't you can't get up two nights in a row. You know what I mean? It's just like 
it's it's just a it's just a matter of greed. I think the fact that like uh, one of the factors probably to the them going to two nights there and we know why the the WWE did it with WrestleMania, right? You know, it's just unfortunate worldwide situation, but but uh but like I'm pretty sure New Japan did it because they can't sell out the Tokyo Dome. So if they figure we get two half full nights, it'll be one, you know, it'll be one full night, you know? So and that that doesn't make Okada very happy, but I nonetheless like that's why they wanted to probably do it. And they said, you know, they were thinking about maybe just having it be like a one time thing. But now we're going to see that going forward there. They have to adjust their plans accordingly. Right. So, you know, the whole two night thing. But but at the end of the day, it's like, really, none of us have to watch any of this stuff and we won't be missing anything if we don't. So I don't care how many days it is. It can be a three day event. It's still going to it's still going to be whatever it is. And if you want to just cherry pick the matches that you want to watch later and fast forward, like I can't even imagine people watching live TV anymore. It seems so archaic and like stone age, like who's going to sit there and watch things. You know, I'm not going to watch the, I'm not going to sit there and watch a WWE event and not be able to fast forward the packages that are retelling me the stories that I've already invested the time throughout the weeks and weeks and weeks leading up to it. I don't need these packages. The casuals need these packages. Okay, so I'm I need those. these packages because I don't watch the weekly product. You don't need to. You just need to watch the takeovers. Like exactly. You and, now, and now you're going to get a bonus takeover, so stop complaining. Um, but uh, so the second announcement, <sighs> okay. Okay. Oh, you, I can see where you feel about this announcement. Well, anyways, um, the, uh, the new, uh, was it the Dusty Cup women's winners, Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai, um, are awarded the brand new NXT Women's Champion Tag Team Championship belts, and um, you know, Shotzi Shotzi Moon wants a shot uh, tonight, and Regal agrees. But backing up a little bit, these you 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 let out an audible ugh about the uh, the announcement before I even said it. So 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 let let the people know how you really feel. Okay, here's the thing, right? Number one, I, I was against them bringing out the Women's Tag Team Championships to begin with. All right, either oh. WWE Women's Tag Team Championships, but the thing you pig, that you sexist pig. No, the the thing that made it okay was the fact that NXT was included in this because NXT has such a large women's roster. So now we're splitting off that roster from the WWE Women's Tag Team Division, which basically no longer exists. So you basically cut off the legs of that program. And you're adding two more belts. So by my count, the WWE is up to 19 championships currently. So I, I bring this up on Destino all the time. Hashtag no more belts. We need to bring that over to the WWE as well. Now, let's get into this creative because I need you to explain this to me, all right? Because my understanding of this is how this lays out. So the heels win the Dusty Classic. The heels get screwed by other heels coming from the main roster. The heels get handed the runner-up championships. The baby faces interrupt the ceremony from the heels, and then you have the babies win the heel or win the titles from the heels. Like, what in the actual fuck is going on here? I feel like this entire program is backwards. Um, yeah, you pretty much nailed it. Everything you said, that's, uh, that's what they do. Okay. I there, just felt like I had no, to be missing something somewhere. No, you, you didn't. You got it all. Uh, there's no such thing as baby faces and heels. That's, uh, they're, they're competitors, Jargo. You know, they're all competitors, right? Didn't you listen to what Cody said 
Um, it, it's there, there's we don't have a place for that antiquated way of thinking. Like, who who cares about baby faces and heels? Forget what we just said about Jay White too. It's just it's it's the only thing that matters is that these women are here to compete and be given uh you know participation trophies um, or belts. Uh, that that's that's perfectly fine. Yeah, um, the runner up championships, like you lose a match, so you get handed a title. Like I I realize that you got screwed by Adam Pierce, but like it just it doesn't make any sense to me. Like I was wondering if at some time did they like magically turn Dakota and Raquel babyface to face off with Shayna and Nia? Like I I was so confused no. by the entire program. No, they didn't. And but it, but it, it's you know and and. I could forgive them if they even tried to play this up, but I'm going to, I'm going to pretend like this is what they might have. You could have justified it. If you had said it's, if you had, if you had really played up maybe on commentary and just, just the overall presentation that you're defending home turf. So even though you're the heels, these is the big, bad main roster girls coming down and, we are NXT and all that bullshit, right? You know, it's like we'll 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 be the baby faces for one night in the face of the the, the invading force, right? But they, they didn't really play up any of that. It's just kind of like it's it's short sighted. It's lazy. Who knows what they're thinking? I wouldn't call it at least a runner up title. It seems more like just the thing of like, um, you know, oh well, like we don't want to we don't want to deal with them anymore. So we're gonna you know we're gonna introduce a new belt. Uh, it's basically kind of how it is. And if they have all those women they, they had out there, which shows that they have a big women's division, but a lot of those women weren't tag teams and they just had to become tag teams to fill out a, 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 a dusty cup bracket. So, you know, it, it's the, the whole thing is a kind of a, a rib. Um, really not much to say about it. There's no sense to be made of it. Uh, this is the WWE we're talking about. Yeah, it's just that the whole way that the psychology of the program worked just didn't make any kind of logical sense to me. Well, and it won't. And it, it, it may continue not to. So we go from this right into Io Shirai and Tony Storm for our first actual match of the night. Um, so uh, Tony comes out looking like a special guest referee or perhaps a, a Tim Burton character. That's what I thought. I was like, oh, my God, it's Edward Scissorhands, Tony Storm. Yeah, so hashtag Timmy Cake, shout out to BG. Um, so what would what, you think of this match? Um, I thought the match was pretty good. Uh, 11 minutes, 57 seconds. I was surprised that EO won this match by submission. I figured if they were going to put EO over that she would just pin Tony and that way Tony would get to save a little bit of face, maybe give her some kind of an out. Um, so now I'm wondering who is going to be the one to finally beat EO Shirai as I look at the, the NXT women's roster. The only thing about this match that sincerely pissed me off was Vic Joseph because he kept hammering and hammering and hammering this point that Io Shirai had never beaten Tony Storm in a singles match. That's not true. Their first matchup going back to Barcelona, Spain was for the SWA championship over in stardom and Io Shirai won that match. If you want to get into like the, the actual statistics, they were one, two, and two going into this match. EO had one win, Tony had two wins, and they had drawn twice. If you're going to play off the history, because we've seen all kinds of video packages from EO when she was over at Stardom. I've heard them talk about Tony's Stardom days on NXT UK, and I assume that they have on the regular NXT proper. 
you can't just beg and choose what you're going to pull from history. If you're going to include any of it, you have to include all of it. And it just makes your commentators sound stupid when you're making comments over and over about how Io Shirai has never beaten Tony Storm when we all know that she has. Vic Joseph sounds stupid. You don't say. Uh, nonetheless, um, despite all that you know, interesting stuff you just said, no, Jargo. The first time that they ever had a match was the first time they had a match in the in NXT in the the May Young Classic. Anything before that does not count. And and, and I happened. could get with that if they avoided the stardom history to begin with. But you, you, yeah. it, it's when you incorporate one, you have to incorporate the other. You can't just beg and choose. Yeah, or they do what they always say, which is say she's never defeated her in NXT or in WWE. Like they always have that qualifier there, so that. The people like you can just calm down about it, and then the, everybody else will just be like, okay, well, that's good enough for me. That's all I need to know. Um, I would also yeah, like to point out I have called Michael Cole Mitchell Cole for years, thanks to Chris Jericho, and I am now going to refer to him as Dick Joseph because he doesn't know Dick. Right. That's perfectly fair, and he's also you know just another one of the long uh, Michael Cole clone factory, uh, you know, uh, productions. Yeah, so they clearly have a type over there. Yeah. Um, so we get some words from Finn Balor, standard generic, uh, wrestling promo stuff. Um, I don't imagine you had anything to add to that. No, I, it's just Finn cutting a promo. I, th sure. there was nothing special about it. It was just Finn talking about how he's going to beat Adam Cole's ass. I thought it was fine. I, one thing I will give NXT credit for is they like doing these like 30 to 60 second promos, which to me is like a real pro wrestling promo. It's not just somebody standing in a ring talking into a microphone for 15 minutes, basically saying what Finn said in 30 seconds. Yes. So one thing that I will add about the show in general, because it's it's uh, the show's a little schizophrenic sometimes week to week. You're not sure exactly what you're going to get. Sometimes things just drag on and they're like filling time, obviously. This episode was what I wish every episode was like in the sense that they never stay with something too long. Nothing sort of overstays its welcome. Only a couple of matches go through a break and they'd be the matches you'd expect. Um, they have different promos, but they're all, you know, they, they, there's one guy will be like, this was pre-taped earlier. This person standing backstage with an interviewer, you know, they, like keep, keep it moving. We got short attention spans. This is short attention span theater. And I think a lot of times where NXT falls short is they try to play long attention span theater like anybody cares about a random women's tag team match that just got thrown together with no stakes and no, you know, not even the women you want to see. So um, this episode in general is not typical, but it was what should be typical. Um, uh, now, the next next we're going to get uh, words from L.A. Knight. But like I said, this is not. <laughs> yeah, I already, yeah, I already know the, the names of shits, but, <sighs> but, uh, so, so this is different because unlike the, unlike the pre-tape Balor thing, this is him with Mackenzie Mitchell, I believe. And, um, huge surprise. He's interrupted because if it's, you know, if, if it's not pre-taped, somebody's going to come and interrupt you. So he's, he's interrupted by Bronson Reed, who's still working under the cease and desist from Toho. That's why he doesn't have his little Godzilla on the collar of the jacket. Um, <laughs> But, I didn't know that. That's great. But this is so. But this, this, they they get into it. He basically grabs La Knight by the throat, and then then it's promptly broken up by Carino and the crew. But um, so yeah. So here we get a precedent, right? For 
backstage scuffle being quickly broken up by people that are just very conveniently standing around and seeming like they're waiting to break up a scuffle. Um, uh, words from L.A. Knight, but how about words from Jargo about L.A. Knight? Well, uh, the former Eli Drake, now L.A. Knight, I, yeah. that one is going to take some getting used to. Um, of, of all the guys that they have brought in and changed the name and gimmick for, this one is going to be really, really rough. Um, I, I very much enjoyed that L.A. Knight was basically apologizing for his boring in-ring style. Um, you know, like he's basically, I'm, I'm not going out here to impress you. I'm just out here to kick people's ass. And it's like, oh, okay. So you're setting the bar like really, really low, but you're going to continue to win matches. So I, I I'm kind of down with that. I will say I did pop for the Steve Carino show up because Steve Carino, one of my top five professional wrestlers of all time. Absolutely love that guy. Just happy to see him on my TV for, you know, five seconds. Well, if you keep on watching NXT, you might see him pop up to break up a fight. And he seems very like and I've mentioned this in the past on past episodes, but Steve Carino seems very like passionate um, about these sort of like uh, backstage brawls. Um, and, and he's very passionate about getting help, you know, for people that are injured and stuff. But he seems like way more into it. He should be more bored with it because it seems like it happens like five times a week. So I would think he'd be kind of burnt out of it by now. But he still shows that that passion and that drive every time. He is one guy that they've got backstage there that I'm amazed. They like haven't turned into a manager. They haven't stuck him on commentary. Like he's just an agent backstage. And I always thought he was one of the best color men in the business when he was doing commentary at Ring of Honor. Oh, I, when you said color man, I thought you meant blade jobs. Oh, well, there you, is. You were that talking too. about commentary, yeah. Okay. Um, so uh, moving on, we've get uh, Atlas, um, Jake Atlas versus Pete Dunne. Now, this is just your. This is the kind of match, also not typical. I would have figured, you know, on another week, this match could have gone through two commercial breaks, but instead, you know, it's exactly what it needs to be. Um, in and out in a couple of minutes. Pete Dunne says he's the best technical wrestler in the entire world and dares someone to prove him wrong. Is he wrong? Um, well, I, I have a feeling that this is going to lead to a program between Pete Dunne and he who shall not be named, otherwise known as Kushida, who I refuse. Oh, you named him. I, I, I refuse to admit that Kushida exists anymore because he has just become a shell of himself. I, I'm so disappointed in, in Kushida's run since he has come to the States. It's, it's very unfortunate. Uh, I enjoyed the mash. It goes four minutes and 23 seconds, ends up with Atlas tapping out. I guess my question to you is... Did they give Jake Atlas too much inside of this match? Like, it was still basically a squash match for Pete Dunne, but I don't think I've ever seen Jake Atlas on NXT TV before. Like, is he actually a thing now? Not really. They, see, what they do is, like, all these guys that they sign from the indies, they basically come in to be, like, character jobbers that you can maybe get behind for a match with a lower card guy. And then, you know, they typically are able to put up a little more of a fight against those guys on the lower end of the card. But then for Pete Dunn, it's like a quick win that nobody really expects to, uh, you know, to, to go too long. Um, now, does that mean that <laughs> on any given night, they're not going to make it go too long? No, but luckily here, you know, they kept it short like it should be. But the, the Jake Atlas, there, there's like a bunch of guys on the roster that you'll see that are always in danger of seeming like they want to do something with them, but ultimately they're, they're bodies to fill roles just like this. So 
to answer your question, no, he's not really a thing, but just enough of a thing to not be, a, they, they don't, they don't have a lot of the local talents. Like those guys last even less than four minutes when they do show up. I guess my thing uh, with, with Pete Dunn, they've got enough guys backstage. They could do this for like, you know, six weeks eight weeks where you just have Pete Dunn going out and just destroying people in this, the savage way, tapping them out and then have him be like, Hey, I'm the best technical wrestler in the world. And then we actually move into a real program. I, I, I feel like we have to kind of rebuild Pete Dunn. And I'm afraid that it's just going to be like a, a one week deal. Well, it kind of, it, it kind of like, I don't know how much, cause you said you hadn't been watching, but he just came off a program against Finn Balor. So he had the main event thing. And now it's, now it is kind of like in the, you know, but that that's kind of backwards. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, let's put this guy in the main event. To be honest, I just don't see anything for Pete Dunne here in America. He's much better served to stay in the UK. So I don't know if this was something he wanted to do. Like he's moving here personally, like just loves that Florida life, whatever the case may be. Um, and they're, they're just accommodating him with, you know, whatever they can. Um, but if, it, if, if this was not his choice and they called him down here, I'd be very suspicious of it because I don't know what plans they could really have. And once and if he was to ever go to like Raw or SmackDown, it's over for him. Once Vince McMahon looks at him, he's going to be like, no. And then he'll be, you know, relegated to, you know, whatever bottom spot that he's going to be in. Um, so but speaking of UK guys, we've got Imperium. They're still trying to recruit Timothy Thatcher, and they even invite him to bring his buddy Champa along. They'll make it work, is what the the, the phraseology they used. Um, so I'm not... Apparently there's a history between Timothy Thatcher and Imperium. I don't know the history. Maybe you can enlighten me on some of this. Um, going back to before they were all signed, Walter had his groom, Rinkumpf. And, okay. and Timothy Thatcher was a part of that outfit. So Makes that sense. that is the, the history that they keep alluding to. Um, and, and I kind of dig it. I kind of dig this storyline that they've got going on. We'd see a little bit more about it a, a bit later on in the show. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, a little bit later. A yeah, but it bit, was probably the biggest thing on the show to me. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I can see how this would be something that's intriguing, but this is, this is the problem, like, they have a way of uh, starting up something intriguing and then letting you down later. Oh, I think uh, there's a big payoff coming for this one. Let's hope. Um, so Leon Ruff has words for swerve. So, so, so these these are all in the Jake Atlas categories, guys. Like they can have a they can have a thing with each other, but then they're also there to get fed to other guys. You know, so. There's a lot of guys having words for other guys tonight. This is kind of a, a theme of the show so far. Well, and it, I went and I watched last week's episode in preparation for getting ready for this week's episode, and I saw Swerve had a killer promo against uh, Cheeseburger, I mean Leon Ruff, uh, mm -hmm. last week, where he said you don't want to pick a fight with somebody who cares less than you. Uh, so I'm, I'm hoping that this is the beginning of a real build for Swerve, because I've always been very, very high on Shane Strickland. Yeah, so I, but he's not been able to find his footing here. Although, when I say that, that may have nothing at all to do with him himself. Yeah, right? exactly. Um, so next, women's tag team championship match. Uh, champs enter first, which is always annoying. Then again, they don't have a tank. Um, so uh, I'll I'll let you I'll let you go uh, first on this one. And then I'll fill in my uh, detailed granular analysis of some of the aspects of it. I'm just, why? Why? Like, I, I feel like this was the reset button. Like, 
they, they, they decided that they were going to put Kai and Gonzalez over during the Dusty Classic, and then they were like, oh, we should do women's tag team championships. Oh, but, but we want Ember and, and Shotzi. How do we get to that? And I feel like this was just like the, the, the worst way that they could possibly think of to get to their actual destination. 12 minutes and 15 seconds, the first NXT women's tag team champions, Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez, held the belts for about an hour. Hey, that's longer than some people have held championships. So um, I, I think I think what they really want is they wanted you can give the whole thing to me. It seems like it's built around the push of Raquel Gonzalez. So to answer your earlier question about who's next for Io Shirai, and we already get the answer, but even before we got the answer, it's like that's the answer. The way they've been trying to. She's sort of a heel, but they they don't make her do overtly heelish things because I they see something marketable in her for whatever you know reason. Not that I don't understand the reason, but I mean, usually again, they're not they're short sighted and they will make people do things and then all of a sudden just switch them baby face and it's like, but what about all that stuff you did? Kind of thing. Like it doesn't make sense. So, but they've been they've been sort of uh, protecting Raquel Gonzalez in the sense that yes, she's a heel by association and yes, she's got a mean streak, but She's not, you know, blatantly cheating or doing, you know, horrible things to people or, or whatever like that. She's just a tough competitor. So I think they really wanted to push her and they're going to have her split off from Dakota in the future so they can give them the Dusty Cup and you can hand them some belts. But then you can really make Shotzi and Ember like, OK, well, these will be the champions going forward and they can do their own thing. I think that's the thinking there. Not saying it's right, not saying it's wrong. It's just what they want to do. Where are uh, you at with Raquel Gonzalez? Do you feel like she is ready for that main event push? Is anyone ever ready? We never find out until they get put in there. But I, I, I will say that um, she compared to when she first showed up, she's been making the strides that she needs to make. She used to be a little bit pudgier she used to be a little bit her footwork was not not quite you know where it needed to be and it's 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 hard for taller people to be uh coordinated in that sense like you know well uh, i think very, that's the thing few, right? very few undertakers out there right most guys over six foot five have a hard time you know getting their shit together as far as like moving in the ring and and really looking fluid and stuff and so she's the equivalent of a six foot five even though she's probably barely six feet um, in heels. Uh, so, but, but she has, I've noticed a difference over the years front since her debut. So she's, she's getting there and this would be the spot you would kind of think they wanted to go with Rhea Ripley. And then they used Rhea Ripley to get Raquel Gonzalez over. So now it's like, okay, well better, Better make the most of it. You're the new Rhea Ripley now. Yeah, and I, um, I feel like that's the the real issue. When I look at the NXT women's roster, there's at least a half a dozen women on that roster that I would take if I was drafting today over Raquel Gonzalez. But she would be Vince McMahon's number one pick of all the women in NXT right now. I just just looking at her, you know. Assuming that at some point she has some sort of breast augmentation, because you know Vince is going to require that. Yes. Um, so, but maybe we're past that now. I mean, we're no, just, we're not. No, we're we're, no. we're at we're we're if we, we we might if we're not now, we won't ever be. But uh, I we think might can, be, but I don't think Vince is. <laughs> I don't. Th I don't think Vince is either. But it's just you. You know, I'm like. I, I don't know if he's going to make anybody do anything at this point. Of course, it will always nag at him in the back of his mind. 
Um, but it will also nag at her that she has, you know, Latin descent too. So, I mean, there is, what, that. You know, so whatever. So, um, but anyways, let, let's talk a little nuts and bolts here. So they did everything wrong to start this match. Okay. First Raquel starts the match, right? That's already wrong. Um, she gets, she gets running drop kicked into her own corner from Ember Moon just to kick off the match. Okay, sure. Fine. Whatever. And immediately tags Dakota Kai in. So you made your monster look dumb. Right. Got kicked into a corner and you tagged out like a, you know, like a chicken or whatever. And, and she's selling for Ember Moon, who's like, what, maybe five foot one? Yeah. I mean, but if you get all that meat drop kicking you in the corner, I could see how that would hurt. <laughs> but you shouldn't you should not then just be like, I'm, I'm out of here. Out. Yeah. Yeah. No, you'd be like, fuck you, bitch. I'm, you know, and, and go get some. Right. That's the spot. But they didn't do that. Right. So or maybe it was an accidental tack. I don't know. They're very bad at getting these things over. So um, anyways, any case, everybody looks stupid. Then Shotzi gets in and then she quickly gets Dakota Kai and a cloverleaf that seemed like it would be in the end game of a match. Like and they're doing she was the in spot, it like reaching. Yeah. And she's like doing the the reaching for the ropes. I'm just like, what is this? Michael's angled WrestleMania 21. Like, what are you guys doing? It's the match is like two minutes old. Well, and, and you're already in like this. And it's another you one know, of those spots that as I'm watching it, I'm like, oh, the sympathy is on Dakota Kai right now. Like right. You, you would really think that Ember is the heel and Dakota is the baby face struggling from underneath. Right. right. Which is bad enough if this is towards the end of the match. But again, let me remind <laughs> two you, minutes in. two minutes of the match. So they milk this like it's a false finish. Then she gets the rope break. Well, then and, they do. And uh, one more thing. It's a tag match. Raquel, mm-hmm. what are you doing? Just go in and break up the hold. Like you do yeah. every other submission hold through the course of a match. Yep. Dumb monster. Yeah. Dumb monster. Um, you're a dumb monster. So uh so then after the rope break, they do double big boots for a double down, and then they go to commercial. Like, so you've done no less than four things wrong here, and probably probably a few more, right? It's just these are not the kind of things that you wanna, you know that you want to showcase. Um, but I think I'm going to go ahead and go out on a limb and say that the average fans not really picking up on this stuff. It may feel a little weird to them, you know, like, um, but, uh, it's still, uh, then, um, we get, uh, in the picture in picture Shotzi's taking heat. Um, but you know, when they come back, she, she makes sure to hit the enzigiri so that she cools off the hot tag for Ember. Right. I mean, Let's not let's not let her get anything since that first drop kick in the corner, right? So, um, so Shotzi gets her dive in, but no one died. Um, double team on Ember. She just kicks out, no save. Um, and finally, uh, on the roll up bridge thing that uh, Kai looked like she was holding Shotzi yeah, hold up her, her up. arms. And um, these, this is a problem with these type of moves. Like, and this is just a, a lesson for anybody that's getting pinned by. One of these moves, uh, whether it's Sonata or Zack Sabre Jr. or anybody else pinning you like this, uh, get your fucking arms down, get your fucking shoulders down and make it look like you're being held down. Don't let it look like you should have gotten out, right? I mean, that's that's just um, something that is across the board. It's a problem for, for a lot of wrestlers. But the good ones, you'll notice, they always make sure that their shoulders are down so that the ref doesn't look stupid, so that... The other person, it doesn't look fake. I mean, anyways, new champs like we all knew, um, and that that was this match. Anything else to add? Well, I just let me get your professional opinion here for a second. 
Okay. How much of this do you put on the talent, and how much of this is on the agent? The the thing, the wheels just kind of came off of this match literally as soon as it started. Um, well, it's got to be the agent. Essentially, that's who it's gonna fall on, whether it's their fault or not, because they're not gonna, you know, I mean, they're gonna they're gonna end up um, getting thrown under the bus. Um, that's the life of an agent, right? Even though that th- that that's kind of how it should be. Things like what I'm talking about with the the shoulders, that's not on an agent, obviously. Right. But as far as like the, the layout, layout of the match, yeah, the start, um, that is, and and I don't really know what the process is for these agents. You know what I mean? Like I don't know. The matches that I've had the, I don't know if you want to call it a privilege to to produce in the past. I always tried to just keep it to the to the grade level of the talent that I had to produce. So I'm not going to ask somebody to come in with a bunch of crazy stuff that they have to remember um, in order to, uh, you know, be a little flashier for your TV match. Uh, it's it's better to, uh, you know, shoot for a shoot for a C plus, you know, and maybe get a B than to try to shoot for an A and end up with the D minus. Um but uh, but I really don't know, and, and I, I assume that these girls are probably getting produced a lot, especially when you consider the relative uh, inexperience of a Raquel Gonzalez, you know, in terms of years. And the same um, with Shotzi. I mean, Shotzi, yeah. good, but she's very, very young into her career. I, Ember and Dakota are the two quote unquote vets in this match. Right. And even yeah, and even Ember's not been as long as Dakota. I think Dakota started in '08 or something like that. It seems Some, right. So. So it's been a, it's been a long time, but you know it, it doesn't really like that. That doesn't matter. Rip Rogers always has a saying like you know, is somebody when he says somebody's been working ten years or eleven years or whatever, he's like ten years, ten matches. You know, because when you're on the indies, you're not getting weeklies. You're 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 lucky to work once a month. You know what I mean? So a year is twelve matches for you. How the fuck much can you learn in in twelve matches? So. You know, even even a 13 year vet, 12, 13 year veteran like a Dakota Kai, you know. But anyways, the point is, even if she is the brains of the match, it may not be up to her. She may just be executing what the agent put together. So don't know. I love Dakota Kai, but she drives me freaking nuts because as, as experienced as she is, she still cannot find the hard cam to save her goddamn life. Yeah, maybe they don't have hard cam setups in New Zealand. Hey, what's the deal with uh What's the deal with um, Kiwi people doing this thing? Because she does that and Jay White does that. I, I don't know. Is there, is there a thing we don't, oh, we don't it, know? Okay. It, there, there's got to be a thing there. Um, but Hawaiians do it a lot too. Like Jeff Cobb is always well, doing it. But but that's this. They do the they do. Oh, like they the do it the other yeah, inverted. That, and, that, and that's him. You know, he does the throat slash thing, mm-hmm. but she just sticks it out there like that. And I, I don't know. Well, you can't see it, but you know you know what it is. You know what uh, Dakota Kai does. It's her gang uh, single, signals. Yeah, Kiwi's over strong. Yeah. <laughs> so um, we got some words from Adam Cole, you know, same typical wrestling promo that Finn Balor said, but the Adam Cole version. Well, but I thought this was actually really important because Adam Cole said something here that, that really raised my eyebrows. I the see. era ends when he says so. Hmm. And he's still outfitted in all the undisputed era gear, which I, I know they paid homage to that. That's the, the gear he was wearing when he won the title the first time. And then a little bit later, we would get the visual of Kyle like tearing it off of him. 
is there a new undisputed era coming in? Is there is there anybody that Adam Cole could be like, okay, I'm replacing Bobby with this guy, I'm replacing Roddy with this guy, and I'm replacing Kyle with this guy? Could could we see a new undisputed era? Um, yeah, maybe. I mean, he could adopt the uh, the McAfee goons, you know, with Pete oh. Dunn and the other two guys. He just adopt them. It may be much easier than trying to piece everything together. Yeah, and, and, and typically, I mean, I, w- I would ha- have the inside scoop on this because we would know everybody coming into NXT, but now with AEW and them eating up so much talent, I just I don't even know who they could bring in that they would put into those slots. Yeah, I don't know. It, it'd be kind of a thing where um, I see Adam, the Undisputed Era was like a good thing for what it was. Um, I don't see trying to recreate something already that just died or, or trying to just immediately put, Oh, I'm going to be the guy that gets another three guys and hangs out with them. You know, uh, the the problem with Cole is really his entire career. He's always had somebody. He's always got those goons that he can fall back on, whether it was bullet club, whether it was the kingdom, whether it was the undisputed era, like it's kind of his thing. And it really adds to his swarmy dick kind of persona. I always thought that when they split up the Undisputed Era, we would finally get the long-awaited Adam Cole babyface turn. That's clearly not going down anytime soon. I'm just not sure that, especially with his size and stature, that as a single act, he can pull off being this one of the biggest heels in NXT. No, certainly not. But, I mean, he kind of has. It's just it's that you had part of the heat was... You know, you have these four sort of undersized white guys, and that's a lot of heat, right? So there you go. But but I but I mean, um, the thing the thing about it is, uh, like you said, he's been in in like all those groups and everything. But the what was weird was that the way when Pat McAfee came into the picture, they really tried to play it up as though all of a sudden we were supposed to cheer for the undisputed era, and why? Right. You know, they didn't. They hadn't done anything appreciably different as characters to make us think that we should just cheer for them. You know, they spent all these years being dicks in NXT. I keep saying this, it's like a broken record, but, but you know, I just, I'm not going to cheer for you. So it was just weird to even have that as like a temporary position for them to put in. Now you're saying you're breaking them up. Now he's doing this little, this little throwaway promo where he says the era ends when I decide. What does that mean? Are you going to hold the guys hostage in your group? Like you have to be in my group until I like, what are you talking about? Like just start making some sense. Um, but you know, Bobby uh, Fish should probably go for that, by the way, just saying he might, he might, uh, but we don't know where he's been. I don't know where Bobby Fish has been. Where's Bobby Fish been, uh, a, a, a inside the storyline or, or yeah, realistically he, well, both. Like, I don't know in the story, he just disappeared. He just didn't show up on TV one day. And usually when that happens, you're like, oh, he probably got COVID or something, but he's already had COVID and he's been gone longer than two weeks. So I don't know. So, and I don't know if he got hurt. Um, I don't don't know where he's been. My understanding with both Bobby and, uh, with Kyle, um, they're already immunocompromised. Uh, so, so they've kind of been like, they finally brought Kyle back in, but Fish has been out most of this pandemic era. He was only there very, very briefly for a couple of matches, I think. Yeah, and well, and he was hurt before that, too, as well. So, I, well, I don't know. Let's face it, Bobby Fish is no spring chicken at this point. He's not. He's not. But he's also never asked to carry. He's always right. that 
tag guy, sixth guy, eighth guy, you know, yep. whatever it is. So, so, and, and that's, that's fine for him. He can do that. Anyways, uh, let's move on to the, so we get a standing ovation for the new champ, uh, the new champs, uh, Shotzi and Ember in the performance center gym, I guess. So that's where, I guess that's where they take their, their victory walk right through the, right through the gym, uh, which, um, except for the, uh, the Kroger cashiers. Um, now this is, this is one of those running, <laughs> those running jokes where this all, this all, this all started, um, Jargo from when I was doing my other podcast too, in with Sergio and the vet, where I said that, uh, uh, Candace LeRae looks like a cashier at Kroger's like in the face. And so I'm just like to, to, to that small town, you know, that small Midwestern town, she's probably pretty hot, but out in California where I'm from, she's lucky to be a five and a half. So that, that's just my little, uh, mean spirited joke. But, uh, but now, now that they've got their own little group, the the Johnny Gargano, the Way Group, you know, I just assume that Kroger's is hiring, and so they've got like a manager and a new cashier and all this other stuff. So, anyways, they're there. They're not too. They're not too hot. Um, they're not too happy with the the new champs. So they they go meet up with uh, Johnny Gargano and Austin Theory. Um, now, you said you watched the previous week, so that means that you had to sit through that. Uh, I did. Okay, so I'm going to take it from your reaction that you felt pretty much the same way as I did. Now, Colin loved it. Take that for what it's worth. I just, I don't need that kind of bullshit on my goddamn wrestling show. Thanks. Thanks. That's all I've been saying. Um, and, and Austin Theory knows that the therapist was paid off, but not that she lied about Dexter Loomis. So this guy's even more of an idiot than they're playing him up to be, right? At least they are playing up that Austin is an idiot. So at least there there is that part of the story to fall back on. I what are they doing with Austin Theory? Is this is this punishment from the whole like speaking out movement thing or like what? That's that's what everybody keeps thinking, but I mean we're going to show you Austin Theory. You're going to be on TV every single week with a with a top level angle. That's that'll teach him. Is this a top yeah. level angle though? I mean, even for Gargano, is this a top level angle? Just look at the amount of minutes logged on these shows every week. Yeah, There's there is that. way too much camera time. There is. Doesn't that. matter if they're in the main event or not. If you're on TV, they're using you. Then you're you're getting over, and that's not the way to punish a guy. You want to punish a guy, take him off TV and starve him until he has to, you know, ask for his release. Or have that's Dexter Loomis you, kidnap him. Yeah, again. Um, yeah, so moving on from that, um, Caden Carter with the jobber entrance, and uh, Zia Lee gets her WMAC master shit in. There's no weapon demo from Zia, but uh, but not this week anyway. But after Casey Catanzaro hobbles out during the match, we get a, we get a weapon demo from her. She shows her proficiency with the ancient deadly uh, martial arts weapon known as the crutch. Um, so... I believe you need some clarification on the uh, the Zia Lee, the Chan Sha, the uh, Mei Ying, the all this this Mortal Kombat stuff. Um, this is bizarre to me. Um, I think the last time I saw Zia Lee was shortly after the Mei Young Classic, so it was it was before all this stuff with Boa and uh, I'm what what are they calling the other one? Mei Ying. Mei Ying, yes. Mei Ying. Um, are we not supposed to know who that is? Because I took one uh, look at her and I knew who it was. 
Well, it is. Uh, it is in Q. fact Karen Q, right? I mean, that's. That, that's I, I just wasn't sure if that was obvious or if there was some kind of mystery going on around because the entrance was so freaking weird. Um, but just watching this this entire segment once again, more good old fashioned babyface action, huh? I mean, you got the baby face comes out and attacks the heel with a crutch and just like yeah. beats her down. I'm just like, what? What is cute, happening right now? Cute little Casey with a crutch, whack. Um, all right. So here's the deal. Uh, Zia Lee, um, got. Let's see what happened. She, I'm trying to think how this whole thing started. She and she and Boa kind of sort of got kidnapped and taken to a warehouse and put through some rigorous martial arts training by this mysterious uh, figure or whatever. There, there was a there was a little old man, too. I don't know whatever happened to him. I don't know if his developmental deal expired or whatever the case may be, <laughs> but uh, he hasn't been seen for a while. Now we've got the new the new ancient master. Um, who is actually a descendant of somebody from a thousand. They did a whole like Kung Fu Panda style animation story, like one, a few weeks ago, explaining like the history of this person. And that made some dumber people think that they were saying that she's like the person from a thousand years ago. But no, it's that they actually said that she's the descendant of this person from a thousand years ago. And um, so, yes, so we, there's still a lot of mystery around it. Um, But what we do know is that because Zaya was kidnapped and brainwashed or purged as the term might uh, be. Um, she's now like her friends are concerned about her, her friends, Casey and, and Caden, um, which I call the K sounds. Um, <laughs> they, they are now concerned about their friend. They weren't concerned while they were airing the vignettes of her, like hitting Boa with bamboo sticks and kicking him and stuff like that for, for training. But, but they're, they're concerned now. Um, that they're out of the dusty cup and everything like that. So they've got nothing else to do. So now they're concerned for their friend. And now it's sort of like a battle uh, for the soul of their friend. And if I believe it was last week, so you might've heard it when, uh, when Casey said, or, or when Casey was like trying to punch her and she said like, uh, you know, Vic Joseph, you know, the great Vic Joseph said, um, what do you say? He said, he said, Casey Kenazar trying to beat the friendship into Zia Lee. Oh my God. Ridiculous. That's 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 got to be up there with, uh, you know, by God is my witness. He's broken in half like for the all time great calls. Uh, um, so, so I guess two observations coming out of this. Um, number one, I've, I've always really, really liked Lacey Lane and I wish they would do more with her now known as Caden Carter. Uh, and number two, uh, nothing will get a Chinese character over more with a billion people in China than having them play a stereotypical heel. Yeah. I kind of wonder, like, where does this come from? Because is it something that gets pitched by them, like something they can do almost like as a rib? Like, uh, you know, well, this is how you see us. So this is what we're going to do. We've noted in the past that on one of the I don't I think she's still wearing it. I didn't really get a good look at it this week. But um, in one of Zaya's kick pads says spicy on it in English which is one of her like little catchphrase for Instagram, you know, that she uses that she's been using before. She calls herself spicy Zayas. It's a little cute little nickname, whatever. But she's still using it, which I would think that a, you know, an ancient, you know, evil leader like Mei Ying would kind of frown upon like, using right. some English English terms like that. But um so there's that. And I was saying, you know, they could have 
Uh, and and Tianxia itself is like translated from I think Mandarin as goddamn. So <laughs> it makes me wonder if it makes me wonder if like this like some of these things are are being pitched by them like as a, as a rib on NXT kind of thing because they don't think anybody will look. Uh, I, I don't know what the deal is, but um, but yeah, I, I, and I don't know how I don't know if they're in a position to sort of like push back if this is just another stereotype gimmick that's foisted on them i mean we we can't be sure of these things uh, these are the kind of things that i wish i knew we get words from jordan devlin more words uh he wants to settle up with uh, escobar over who's the rightful cruiserweight champ so of course um he was the cruiserweight champ went back home got locked down been over there for some weird reason they stripped him of the title like in storyline so maybe they were always planning on doing something like this, but he's still got his own cruiserweight championship over there, and he's kind of been doing that whole thing. So I was always wondering if they were going to go ahead and do one of these sort of like Shawn Michaels, Razor Ramon, the true Intercontinental Champion, true cruiserweight champion type thing. And it looks like they just might uh, be doing it here, and that's what they're angling towards. I, I thought the issue with Devlin was there were some speaking out allegations that came out against him, and that was when they stripped him of the championship. Um, and, and then evidently they got things cleared up, and they were just like, okay, you can have your title back. And now they're, they're kind of left with this dichotomy of, okay, we got two belts. Oh, we're doing a two-night takeover, and we need to fill out some uh, time on the card, so let's just put two heels against each other. Yeah, I can't be positive of the speaking out thing. I mean, I believe he was one of the people that that was mentioned, if I remember correctly, but he's never been off of TV any more than, you know, NXT UK has been off of TV, period. Right. Like, he didn't miss any time due to that. So I, I don't know what the whole deal was. Well, they but, didn't uh, film UK for what, like six months? Yeah, something like that. And they, they did the the gimmick of him being stripped like as an angle on the program. So hmm. if that was a, a shoot punishment for something that was allegations or whatever, they normally wouldn't air that they yeah. would just say it like, Oh yeah, he's been stripped or whatever. And hmm. then, so nothing ever end up coming of it, I guess, but we'll, we'll see what they do now. Um, we get a package for Zoe Stark. Uh, who apparently grew up on the wrong side of the tracks. Jargo, your thoughts on Zoe Stark? Um, I have no thoughts. Last night was my introduction to Zoe Stark. Never seen her before. And uh, we'll, we'll see where she goes. I, I, what are your thoughts on Zoe Stark? Is this somebody I need to pay attention to? Um, I don't know. She's pretty new. She, I don't remember what her working name was before. Um, I just don't. It's just not. It escapes me right now. But um, she's got signed like a while ago and then all of a sudden she got randomly thrown in a match with Io Shirai. Oh, well, there uh, you go. Just, just on TV. Like, okay, here you go. So they, they might see something in her. Um, but whatever they saw in her, they saw it in performance center classes and not on television. Cause we haven't seen it either. So we're just waiting to see. Um, and, uh, speaking of Escobar, um, he takes exception to those comments from Jordan Devlin and he gives Regal an earful, uh, which leads right into, Legato Del Fantasma versus the Grizzled Young Veterans. Um, James Drake gets to talk again. Uh, this is only the second time he's ever spoken on camera. Maybe the third, if you count back in the original NXT UK launch, they let him talk. But after that, he's never said a damn word. Um, and then it looks like Brizongo wants to finish their moon landing entrance from the other week. But surprise, it's MSK. Um, yeah, so real quick, 
Drake gets rolled up and uh, MSK smashes some fingers and um, the real Brazongo comes in and attacks Legato's Del Fantasma. So less of a match and more of furthering uh, the issues between all these sets of folks. It's kind um, of funny. Like all the tag teams in NXT have something going on except for the champions, right? Pretty much. And kind, that's kind of weird. Yeah. That's why I was saying that even like MSK wins the dusty cup and Colin was saying like, what should we do with those guys? And I say, you know, take the, just take the belts off of those, the goons, you know, that's what I call the, you know, uh, what's one, two punch, one, two punch. Yeah. Uh, I, I just call them the goons. Um, they don't need it. If they're already in a deal, you know, um, they don't need the belts. The belts are just sitting there hostage with those guys. So you can sort, if you're trying to make MSK, you obviously want to make MSK, give MSK the belts, let them do what they're going to do with it. That was my suggestion. So we'll see if they end up uh, going with that. Uh, A couple issues inside of this entire, like very, very brief segment. I think the whole segment's like maybe three minutes. Uh, Number one, Santos Escobar is completely damaged after basically getting jobbed out to Karrion Cross. Uh, j- just the way that they presented Escobar is like he went from being this big badass to suddenly a chicken shit heel running from cross that didn't do him any favors. So him trying to stand up to William Regal just holds absolutely zero clout for me. And then you get into the match Legato Del Fantasma versus the Grizzled Young Veterans. And as kind of a theme running through this show, I find myself asking, are there any baby faces in NXT? Is, is it just a bunch of people that are unlikable? Is that what we've got going on in NXT right now? And, and then, of course, you know, MSK comes out doing the Daft Punk entrance. And I'm like, it's Tyler! It's Tyler! Oh, no, it's, it's MSK. And then Tyler showed up and started throwing supermodel kicks. It was wonderful. Best segment on the entire freaking show. Um, I want to say that when you said, it's Tyler, you sound just like the guy from his entrance. That's what I was doing. Song? Yeah, you, you did. You nailed it. Look, everyone, it's Tyler. Yeah, you nailed it. Just letting everybody know you nailed it. Um, uh, there are no, yeah, there are no baby faces. Um, all that happens is nobody gets over, and when nobody gets over, you turn them heel so that if they're going to boo you, they might as well boo you for the right reasons. That's the WWE philosophy. There so you go. They can't, they can't get anybody over, so everyone's a heel. But this next segment, we've got a clear baby face and a clear heel, right? Uh, yes. Um, EO wants to, uh, he, she wants Raquel as her next challenger. So the champions are going out making challenges, right? So, 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 so the, the baby face champion is just walking around saying, I want to face you next. Yeah. Well, she, I kind of thought she was a heel champion. <laughs> See, <laughs> I, I, I mean, you, you know, it's like, what the, what are we doing? I, I just, We're, I want a clear ledger. Like these are the people that you like. These are the people that you dislike. And that's how professional wrestling works. Yeah, and it's even easier if you want a book because if you just put guys on either side of the ledger, right. then all you have to do is cross, you know, make your little... But the thing about EO, so you remember when, like, she turned heel, right? You know, yeah. she first got there, she she had her little... She would have the mask she would wear on the entrance and doing the cool, you know, high-flying stuff. Yeah, And then all of a sudden, she just started being weird and crazy and, like, making, making, like, weird faces and, like, just throwing her arms all over the place. Like, I didn't know what she was doing. I don't know what kind of a character that is, but she's a heel only because they told us that we're not supposed to like her now. So, you know, even... She didn't work really that much different, but um, I don't know why she turned heel. 
I, it didn't make sense. She seems very lovable. Why would you do that? And she's kind of been into that. And then she just slowly started fading back into fan favorite side. But well, the problem with EO is much like the problem with Adam Cole, where they're just they're, they're too damn good. People want to cheer them. And they're the same size. Yeah, there is that, too. Uh, uh, the, the, the biggest reason to dislike Io Shirai is because she's engaged to evil. So clearly she has terrible taste in men. Oh, man. Well, everything's evil. Yeah. Everything is evil. Remember that. And they have uh, the same hairdo. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so so Mackenzie asks Thatcher a question, revisiting this whole angle. Um, and Tommaso comes out of nowhere, says a bunch of stuff to answer it, and then we're done. So, I thought this was the most important segment on the show because this segment told me we are going to get Tommaso Ciampa versus Walter. And I'm guessing that it happens at TakeOver. And sign me the fuck up for that. You know, I would love to see that if that was going to be what it should be, which is 25 minutes of Walter beating the shit out of a small guy. Well, that's pretty much um, how I would I would see the match going. I mean, yeah. I love Ciampa, but Walter going to smack that ass. Yeah, um, and and what what but but instead what we're going to get is a competitive match where you know uh he bumps off of Champa's clotheslines and all kinds of other bullshit that's what you're going to really get so i actually don't want to see that um but you know we'll 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 see we'll see to me um as far as like like as a fan of Walter and and the way he sort of approaches um the matches and stuff that he has I just thought he was dead after that Survivor Series appearance. Like as far as yeah. as far as with any future in WWE, now I know he doesn't want to move to America. He said that in the past. I don't know if he's changed his mind on any of that, but um, you know the UK is you know he seems pretty comfortable there, and it's it's good. Uh, he's been doing good stuff there. That match with Ilya Dragunov, I I'm gonna guess you saw that, right? Absolutely. Like that's what that is. Like as Jim Cornette put it, and I I. I thought the same thing when I was watching it, but he reconfirmed it. That it's like, that is what wrestling is supposed to evolve into. When people talk about the evolution of wrestling, like that's what it's supposed to be. Now it's not supposed to be jumping on crowds of guys. Yep. Um, but that, so that kind of stuff we see from him, but you know, champ has this way of getting guys to do shit that they should probably be like, no, I'm not fucking doing that. You know, you small fucker, but that's, I'm also enjoying old man Champa. I think that just the, the way that they are shooting Champa, the hair growing out, the yeah, beard and everything. It's, it's just great. Right. Um, so, well, did you enjoy this? We got the, finally the main event is here. Adam Culver's Finn Balor for the NXT championship. And, um, you know, they, they do a little, uh, standard pro American style to start headlock takedowns, head scissor counters, um, Cole can't really decide on what he wants to target. Maybe a little bit of the arm, a little bit of the back. Finn tries the knee, which I don't like because no one sells it right, but he gives up quickly. Um, and eventually, uh, Finn suplexes Cole on the ramp and speak of not selling it right. Uh, so Cole makes sure to adjust his trunks around the crotch area. So I guess he's all right. Like he's probably not too hurt from that. You know, don't sell that. Um, and then, you know, we go to break and everything. So. So, uh, yeah, so, so far at this point in the match, what are you thinking here? What, what, what are your thoughts on this? You, you know, I didn't really have a whole lot of issues with this match until the finish. Uh, there was a lot that went down at the finish that I was just like, to me, it was just eye rolling, even though it was incredibly predictable. Um, the match goes 20 minutes, roughly. 
And I, I thought that the match was pretty good for a TV main event. We have seen better from Finn Balor versus Adam Cole over the course of the years. I, I was fine with it, but I wasn't blown away by it in any way, shape, or form. When I saw Finn Balor versus Adam Cole on the card, this is not the match that I thought I was going to get, but for a TV main event, I guess I'm fine with it. Yeah, so one of the problems that I have with Cole and the way he works in his matches is he just uh, it seems like he just really likes to kick out of everything. Um, they didn't go that route this time. No, it was Finn um, kicking out of everything. Adam hit him with freaking everything. Right. And normally Finn Balor doesn't go that route either. So I kind of wonder, is this now, can we go back to the agent of this match or, or what, you know, like wh- who's deciding that people need to be kicking out of shit. Now we know, we know that, uh, Adam Cole prostitutes a lot of his stuff because, and that's probably like as, as good faith for you, you know, you letting him kick out of your shit. You know I mean? He'll let you kick out of his shit. So, True. you know, so here, but we, you know, we get, um, you know, Panama sunrise buried, um, last shot buried. Uh, speaking of that. Uh, so, um, that was the one that really pissed me off too. What, what, cause number one, once Adam Cole, you bring up, he's working the leg, he's working the back, he's working the arm. Why wouldn't you just go after Finn's head? We, we, we know Finn Balor's got the whole like glass jaw storyline going on. Why wouldn't you just be throwing super kicks? Like, why wouldn't this turn into a Young Bucks match where there's 52 goddamn super kicks in one match? We could even get Carino to come out on commentary. Super kick! It was fucking yeah. great, right? Like, yeah. that's all Adam Cole has to do against Finn. That's all anybody has to do against Finn Balor. Yeah, well, I'm I'm glad they didn't necessarily go that route because it was bad enough. Once the super kick and the crossface came out, um, that then that gave Vic Joseph and the announce team license to go crazy with the word jaw. Yes. They love that word jaw. Last shot to the jaw. You know, they just can't get enough of it. It's almost like they're being produced by Vince McMahon. Like, you and, know, and say jaw, damn it. Anybody who knows anything about boxing knows that once you have your jaw broken, once you get that quote unquote glass jaw, you're done as a fighter. You're, you're, you're just absolutely freaking done. And now I can't even buy Finn Balor as a legitimate champion, regardless of how freaking good he is, because all like somebody like, I don't know, let's say Karrion Cross or Walter, like any of these big guys by NXT standards, all they got to do is punch him in the mouth once and the match is over. That, that That's where what you have lowered Finn Balor to for me. But it wasn't over, Jargo, because he survived these moves. He kicked out, okay? He's got the heart of a true champion. So that's not going to happen. And uh, so he- Who do you think he is? Prince Devitt? Some might say uh, Finn, Finn, Finn Balor desperately in his desperation to preserve his jaw uh, throws Cole over the top, who immediately upon hitting the, the mat brushes his hair back and adjusts his trunks again. So, again, at least he knows where that fucking hard cam is, don't he? Yeah, well, yeah, but he didn't know where the floor cam was. It was shooting right at him doing that stupid shit and b- exposing the business. So, uh, so, and there, and there's Kyle, Kyle O'Reilly's looking on. Okay. And, um, after, after Finn hits the 1916 outside, throws him in and gets the coup de gras inside, uh, for the win, Kyle, uh, gets his piece. Um, and he goes after, 
the refs are a little slower to break this up than they were with uh, Knight and Reed, but oh well, you know, you can't have everything. Um, and then we, of course, go off the air with Finn and Cross doing everyone's favorite spot, the stare, the deadly stare. Wow, what is behind those eyes of those men? I, I, I can't wait to tune in next week and see what happens. Um, that's our show. Uh, so yeah, this was, this sounded like the dream show on paper, but did it deliver in the end? It looked like a dream show on paper. And when you look at the grand scheme of things, as we're heading towards two nights worth of takeover, they actually set up a ton of stuff on this show going forward for like the course of the next four weeks or so. The execution of everything that they set up. It was okay. I mean, like, for, for example, when as, as soon as they went into that tight shot of Finn Balor just looking up the ramp, I look over at the wife and I was like, so who's going to come up behind Finn and attack him? Like, you just knew something was going to happen just because of how tight it was being shot. And instead they go to, like, the Dexter Loomis shot and and you get the Killer Cross thing, carrying Cross, and the, 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 the best line of the night. What took you so long? What took you so long, yeah. Which which I think we've all kind of been wondering at this point, right? Like, Cross wins the championship. He gets injured. They strip him of the championship. Boy, a dichotomy there with Finn Balor, huh? And then he comes back, and it's like he doesn't even pay lip service. Like, hey, I, I want my title back that I never got beaten for. What took him so long? Eh, you may have mentioned it once or twice, but nothing serious. Nothing like you'd expect a guy like that, a, a guy that's clearly obsessed, um, to 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 want to make it like his his main focus and priority. Um, but nonetheless, even in even in with all that being said, you know, again, this is an atypical episode in that they kept everything moving um, at a brisk pace. Normally, these like for me watching these is like a real drag. Like, uh, it just feels like it can't be over, uh, soon enough. And it ends up being over way long. It feels it, like 10 minutes feels like, you know, the whole two hours. And I'm thinking this has got to be almost over by now. What? I still got an hour and 40 minutes left. You Them know? going and, to two hours was such a terrible decision. Yep. Two hours and live. So yeah. now, you, now rather than, you know, the, the, but, but to me, that's not really an excuse because the way they would do it, they'd tape a lot of shows, put it in the can, and then they just piece it out like, you know, three weeks, four weeks at a time. But why couldn't you just write what you were going to write and then make that two episodes instead of the next four? You know what I mean? Like yep. you already had your plan. So why don't you just shoot it the way you planned it and rather than have to like redo your entire style? Like they, they've completely gotten away from what, you know, the, the format that they used to do, not only just because of the hour, but because of the way they actually present the talent. This felt more like two older episodes of NXT stitched together, which I liked, rather than what it usually has been, which is like a lot of long, boring stuff that no one asked for and no one wanted to see. Right. Yeah. I, I, I'm right there with you on everything you just said. I, to me, it feels like what happened was they were working Gato style where they were sitting down, they'd write everything out like, you know, four to six weeks and then they just hammer it out in the taping schedule. Right now it feels like ever since they went live on USA, it feels like, Oh, well, finally we can go back to WWE style and just write the show week to week. That's, that's very much how it feels. Yeah. And you would think no one would want that. 
because that affords you much less creative opportunities. You're under a constant gun uh, to meet these deadlines and, and do the things that you want. So that means when something gets screwed up, um, you got to react that much faster and throw, throw things together more hastily, you know, although, you know, the benefit of you didn't have to do that when you were taping shows and putting them in the can. But the bad thing about that is, Somebody could be, you know, some, something could happen. Somebody could get hurt and then they'd be on TV the next three weeks before yep. they just magically don't show up because that was already in the can. So, you know, there, there's there's plus and minuses to both. But I think that if we know anything about the WWE is they make a lot of excuses for the bullshit they do. And I don't know if anybody's still buying it at this point, but there's always a there's always a better way. If you think things are too hard, then dumb it down a little bit and catch up. I mean, God, we're you know, the, you're 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 only playing to the hardest of hardcore marks. They'll forgive you, you know what I mean? Um, but we can't be having things like uh, you know, we we can't afford to not take the kind of precautions that's going to turn people off. Um, you know, like, like we could say about a certain other company that runs on Wednesday nights and that fucking debacle that happened on revolution. That was, I'm just going to go, sorry, sorry. We're going to go off on a rant on this one. Cause I got to say something about it. Um, that was the, that fucking barbed wire exploding death match thing. That explosion was the second worst thing I have ever seen in professional wrestling. The first worst thing I ever seen was Eddie Kingston selling it. But well, okay, but but to defend Eddie just a little bit, all right. By the time all the shit hits the fan or doesn't hit the fan, as the case may be, Kingston's got his head down. He doesn't see what's going on. So, somebody's got to somehow get word to Kingston to be like, "Don't sell this shit." Yeah, like that guy that came out to check on him. That would have been a perfect person. All they had to do, like. First of all, I don't want to hear any of their bullshit excuses about what went wrong or whatever. There was lots of things, you know, like people say, oh, it was a botch. That wasn't a botch. That's all that shit was ever going to be. You didn't botch it. You just ran it exactly like you thought it would. You mean to tell me you didn't blow that thing earlier in the day to see what it looked like? You just trusted that it was going to be like that and it ended up looking like some legal road stand fireworks? Like, this is, there. there's no excuse for that. Um, so don't tell me that. And then, if you, I'm, if you, it, all you had to do when that did happen and everything got fucked, all you had to do was send Kenny and the guys back out there to point and laugh at him. Yep. And then, and then, and then have the guy tell, tell uh, Eddie Kingston's like, get up, man, get up. Don't sell this. You know yep. what I mean? John Moxley can sell because he's supposed to sell the other thing. And he's handcuffed. You know I mean? He can't get up. Yeah. yeah. But, but all they, you know, all they could have done or they or they could have done something different to begin with. They didn't have to do that spot at all. They could have actually had Eddie Kingston rescue him and get out the ring. And then it doesn't. Then if it if it goes off, it looks cool like they escaped it. And if it doesn't go off, then everybody can like, ha, you fell for it kind of a thing. Like there's ways that you can get around what ended up actually happening. And they did none of those things. And then they tr and then they try to make up other shit later, like. You know, having Eddie Kingston cut a promo about how he fell fell back to some trauma and blacked out. It was like, don't do that, man. Come on. The the worst part of it to me, um, see if I can find this picture real quick and send it to you while I'm talking. The, to me, the biggest failure in that entire thing, and I made this comment on the Hitting the Marks podcast, was the camera angle that they chose to use. 
whenever you are going to have an explosion like that going off, the last thing that you want to do is shoot it in tight where you can see everything that's going on. I just sent you a picture. Once it goes through, there is this is a shot from up in the rafters looking down on this thing as it went off. If they would have just changed to an overhead cam on that sweet-ass crane shot that they have, it wouldn't have looked nearly as bad. The biggest botch in that entire thing was by whoever was directing the freaking show. That's 100% better of a shot, um, which is still 0% of what it should have been. Oh, agreed. Agreed. So, it doesn't make it better or, or make it good, but it would have made it better. To me, and, and as much as we rail on Kevin Dunn and have railed on Kevin Dunn over the course of the years, the WWE doesn't fuck up that shot. No, they, they don't, but they also would have had, they would have had the contingencies for the contingencies. And that's, that's kind of what to, to tie true. back into, to my original point. Yep. Um, that, that is, that is what NXT, like, you know what I mean? They have those that they have to go live now, not, not live. I, now they tape stuff. Right. But it was live for a while. So, I mean, that, that, that puts them under that pressure, that same kind of pressure and that's where they can deliver because of the experience, whereas AEW is still figuring shit out. Yep. But they're only going to get so many chances to figure out before they're dead. Like they've, and ever since they've been on the air, they've been consistently and um, and constantly just embarrassing what the business that I love, like like overtly. They're they're not even. It's it's not just it's not just like oh, we're trying things out and we're just figuring things out. No, it's like they're going out of their way to like make fun of this for the fans that look at wrestling as a joke. Like for the people, for the people that like things ironically, you know, for those, for that, for that crowd of people that always thought their wrestling's a rib and they're just laughing at it, but they can enjoy it on that level. You know, that's what AEW is for. But those people were never supposed to be like the mainstream they're supposed to be in the PWGs that no one ever sees. You know what I mean? Like yep. that's where those people belong. Now they're out on front street and they're making everybody look bad, but they're not the only ones. I mean, everybody besides new Japan or to a lesser extent, maybe ring of honor and maybe MLW. It seems like everybody's going out of their way to make a joke out of this business. And this would have been the time for everybody to step up and get creative because we're in the pandemic and everybody's at home and they're watching TV. And this is the chance for, uh, and like you said, with the WWE and their production, their value, you know, Kevin Dunn and the, the team of people that put together all those great documentaries. And that's the only good thing they do. And it's probably those people have no nothing to do with wrestling, which is why that stuff is good and so slickly produced. Like that was the time for those people to shine and come up with new innovative content. Instead, this whole thing has just been embarrassing um, for, for like almost a full year now, even more so than ever before. Um, so NXT is like the only branch of WWE that's not actively trying to embarrass themselves. But when you got stuff like uh, cross swing a pickaxe at a truck door <laughs> and then the other guy and the guy comes out around the other side of the cab and charges the guy with the pickaxe, like what if he killed you? You know what I mean? Right. Like even, even when you try to do things right, you're still doing it wrong. So 
I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I guess for me, and because I enjoy a lot of different styles of wrestling. Like I, I enjoy a lot of Joshi stuff. I, I enjoy some Lucha stuff. And to me, as I'm watching all of this stuff, and, and I saw it Sunday night on Revolution. If you're looking for the next evolution of professional wrestling, look back at what Lucha Underground was doing. Look at that thing that Darby Allen shot the other night. If you just put it on mute and you don't have to listen to it with the God awful fucking commentary. Like to me, that's what I was hoping to see more of when it comes to professional wrestling in the pandemic era, because we have those creative minds and instead we've just gotten dumbed down bullshit. Yeah. Um, well, the thing about that is like Lucha underground was always a different thing. Cause to me, I looked it at was that its as old a- narrative. It was, it was like, to me, it was like a TV show mm-hmm. about wrestling. Yep. Not a wrestling company doing that a, puts TV, on a show. TV show, but that, but that stuff was overtly fake because it had special effects and stuff. But now you're trying to incorporate that into stuff that we're also supposed to buy. So how am I supposed to like, how am I supposed to suspend my disbelief? Or even if I don't care about suspending disbelief, how am I going to watch something like a cinematic match? And then you're trying to sell me this other match. Like, well, this is the title match. This one's the important one. It's like, what are you talking about? I just saw a guy get burned alive. I just saw a guy disappear into another dimension. I just saw, you know, like, like how am I supposed to care about this regular match? Sometimes it is you, you can go too far. Well, yeah. And, like WrestleMania, you know, you you're going to have Randy Orton versus Randy Orton. Yeah. I don't, I don't want that. <laughs> and and it, the 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 rib of it all is that Randy Orton knows that shit's dumb, but he's like, whatever, pay me. But but you better I, get but twice like, the check. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And then even you look at the like re- talk about Revolution. You know when you guys were talking about the uh, the cinematic match they had there with Sting and everything. So like, yeah, it looks kind of cool, and some of the stuff they did looked kind of cool. But at the same time, this is the same match where you had. Uh, Brian Cage carry Darby Allen up the stairs in a suplex position and then just drop him on a trash can. It's like, uh, didn't you just carry him up the stairs? Shouldn't you throw him back down the stairs? Isn't that what you would do if this shit was real? But instead you dropped him on the fake trash can. See what I'm saying? Like they just can't get out of their own way in, you know, um, so as, as fans of new Japan, I think we can agree that, and sports fans in general, like I know you're into sports and you got your own hitting the mark sports, uh, segment on your podcast and everything too. So I know you understand when I say this, but like wrestling's gotten too far away from sports in America and what in America is a multi-billion dollar industry that everybody loves sports. So, okay. You got football, you got UFC, you got all these things that people do want to see, and they're tuning out of wrestling by the millions. Why don't you try going back to sports just to see? It can't be any worse than this. Well, but and I think gave, if you gave a little more emphasis and that and, and on the sport part, and not just say the word sports presentation like Tony Khan did, but actually do one, you know, like I think that would we we could try that and see if 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 that has an effect on the kind of people that the demographics that they're going for and seeing if there's any success in that. Well, and I think that's the part that really pisses people off. The, the, the people that were like ride or die AEW, like the only reason I feel like they're still doing as well as they are is because of all the good faith that they had built up going into the company, but they kept, it's going to be a sports like presentation. We're going to reinvent professional. Re- it's going to be a sports like presentation. And I'm like, okay, Cody, Kenny, 
the Bucks. Like th- these are all guys that know how New Japan does it. They're going to try to bring that presentation to the states. This is going to be cool. And what happened? Hey, hey, wait a minute. This this is not a sports like presentation. I I'm sorry. They do a lot of stupid shit in Japan. All right. I I, I granted DDT is one of the weirdest fucking things I've ever seen in my life. And yes, Maki Ito will do a photo shoot while covered in literal shit. But you know what they didn't do? Chris Jericho versus Orange Cassidy in a mimosa match. I mean, nothing screams sports-like presentation like a mimosa match between one guy who doesn't care and one guy who, well, I I won't bury my best friend Chris Jericho. (laughs) I'm just saying. I can't do it. Probably for the... Probably for the best, if you want to still keep podcasting in this business. Well, but, he is my best friend. I mean, we, we, we had our picture taken together once. We're, we're best friends now, right? What more does it take to be a best friend than that? Especially with Chris Jericho. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's the, the coolest guy, guy ever. He was drunker than a skunk by 11 o'clock in the morning. Like, who doesn't want to hang out with that guy? <laughs> was that from the night before? Or? Well, it was at a Fozzie concert. It wasn't at a wrestling show. So I'm just saying at the VIP meet and greet. Is you betcha. Okay. All right. That makes sense. Yeah. I, I did go see Fozzie. I did not pay him any money though for the VIP meet and greet. Um, but, uh, but yeah. I, and it's funny too. Cause it's like, wh- what can you really expect? I, I think one of the funny things about Kenny Omega is the first time I ever heard about Kenny Omega in my life, I was like, that's the guy who does the street fighter moves in the matches. Yep. And then the next time I heard about Kenny Omega was that's the guy that wrestled, like wrestled a doll. And then the next time I heard about Kenny Omega was that's this guy that's having six star matches with some guy named Kazuchika Okada in the Tokyo dome. Now, when I look at the landscape, I'm like, okay, I can see that, uh, that guy, Kenny Omega got put on the map by that guy and mm-hmm. people are had the nerve to call Kenny Omega the best in the world. Right. He would have been the doll wrestler for the rest of his life. Yeah. Um, uh, Kazushka Okada. I guess we'll wrap up with this. Kazushka <laughs> Okada is the closest thing I have seen to Dwayne Johnson in 20 years. There is something about Okada that when he enters the room, the atmosphere changes. He just has that that personality, that presentation. And the fucked up part of the whole thing is, you know who he credits for that? Vince goddamn Russo. Because Vince Russo oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. taught Kazuchika Okada how to work cameras when he was at TNA. And it was the best thing that ever happened to Kazuchika Okada. So anybody wants to talk shit about Vince Russo... He invented the greatest wrestler on the planet right now, Kazushka Okada. Inadvertently, though, it may have been. Inadvertently, Uh, granted. Yeah, but there's only so much. I don't know what's up with that guy, but somehow he knows the things that he knows. And I'm looking at it like, who the hell taught you this? That you couldn't have known. Like, you know, knowing that you came up through the Ultimo Dragon thing, it's like, I never seen Ultimo Dragon do the stuff you do. I never like there's just something he gets that nobody else gets that I don't know how, but he checks all the boxes for what a professional in this business should be. It, you can't think of a box that he doesn't check. So Well, at this uh, point there is one box. Uh uh healthy back and healthy knees because Okada's in pretty rough shape at this point. 
Well, we'll have to continue our uh, podcast about Kazucha Okada at a later date, but I think we're going to um, pretty much wrap this one up. Um, this has been a blast. Uh, but uh, Jargo, tell all the people where they can find you on all of your platforms. Well, you can keep up with me across all social media platforms at not Jargo, although chances are I will not talk to you because I'm very, very antisocial when it comes to social media. Uh, but if you send me a message, I will get back to you probably in you know three to four days. You can also keep up with our brand at HTM underscore pod. You can keep up with Destino at Destino pod, hitting the marks.com, Destino pod.com and otherwise i am a podcasting whore if you have a show and you need a guest host just just hit me up just make sure that you give me like a week's notice because it takes me that long to check my messages fair enough all right and as for me you can find me at opinion haver on all social media platforms anything you can think of facebook uh Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, anything, anything you can think of. Even a, I made a TikTok account uh, just to take the opinion, have her name, and then I immediately deleted it off my phone. Um, well done, but that's, Yes, thank you. And that's going to do it for us on your next level wrestling review. We will see you next week. Happy 311 Day!